Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Welcome back to the Best Damn Camp, Riordan Verse Read Along and Analysis Podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host, Fran, and welcome to the show. Today, we continue our timeline journey with the next chapters of The Sea of Monsters. Chapter 13, Annabeth Tries to Swim Home, and Chapter 14, We Meet the Sheep of Doom. Before I move on to talking about what we're going to talk about today i want to give a massive shout out to a good friend of mine and fellow youtuber antoine bandelay who has recently released a fantastic first novel of a three-part series called by sea and sky it is the sky pirate chronicles and is uh it's been shared onto my social media i'm just halfway through the book now and it is phenomenal so for any fantasy readers out there who are looking for a new series to get into, I highly recommend By Sea and Sky by Antoine Bandelay. And I will put a link to Antoine's uh, social media and website so you can go check out uh, where you can go buy it and also go check out his YouTube channel, also entitled Antoine Bandelay. Uh, so just wanted to do that because it's a new book that I'm reading and I'm really enjoying it. So Antoine, I don't know if you'll, if, if you listen to this, but... um great work mate (laughs) and I hope lots of people get it and read it um but yes so to carry on to the main point of this podcast which isn't shouting out and supporting my friends although it should be I think no I'm going to you know what I'm going to introduce I've been doing it already but I'm going to introduce properly this time a section of this podcast either at the start or the end of doing a friend or family or something highlight of the episode where I talk about some accomplishments of friends of mine, people I know, YouTubers or whoever, or podcasters as well, um, just because I think it's something nice to help support people as best you can. And uh, of course, to you guys also remember in the episode show notes for all of the podcast episodes currently will be the links to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement to help support with petitions and so forth and also information for black trans lives matter and trans lives matter in general because the conversation can't stop it has to keep going until there is change so yeah that will be in the show notes until well i don't even know if i'll ever get rid of them but they will be in the show notes from now on basically um, and any new causes that come about, I will be putting the links to those in in the show notes. So if there's anything you guys think I need to be getting the word out and supporting myself, please do email or tweet or Insta me, Insta me, uh, <laughs> to let me know because uh, I'd like to help support as best I can any any causes. Um, and of course, it is also Pride Month, so for a queer like myself, happy Pride, everyone! <laughs> 
Sorry, I will get on to the main thing now. So as always, I have my points to focus on for these chapters. So today, there's really only one thing today, and that is character. So you guys know this is going to be a fun episode for me. <laughs> it may not be for you guys, but this podcast is mainly for me. You guys are just kind of listening in to my internal thoughts. So hopefully you enjoy it. But yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go on. Tis, tis. Because to begin, here is the synopsis. All hail Captain Percy, who manages to have a man overboard in his first voyage that ends with tears and many fields of all kinds. Oh my god. As we reach Evil Paradise, a team is reunited, but the rescue mission doesn't go as planned, as nobody is hurt. You'll see. And that is the synopsis for chapter 13 and 14 of the Sea of Monsters. And, oh my god, I'm so excited to do this. So I'm not going to witter on any further. And let's get into the first chapter. Because, of course, like I always say, 13 comes before 14. So we are starting with chapter 13. Annabeth tries to swim home. And here is the overview. Captain Percy, all aboard this ship. Oh, (laughs) He's the captain of his own ship. (laughs) Grief of Tyson is still strong. We get Annabeth's story. Amal's seven-year-old her is a badass. It's no wonder she's prejudiced and scared a lot. The sirens provide wisdom, so Annabeth is down. This can't end well, can it? And hey, it doesn't, with an added bonus of utter despair. Nice. This girl cannot catch a break. She wants to change the world and save Luke so badly and, oh gosh, Percy and her empathise with one another and he protects her during her her moment. All hail the true beginning of Perkabeth. And I know people don't say Perkabeth, well some do, some say Percabeth, but it's, I prefer Perkabeth, so shut up and don't judge me. <laughs> then we arrive at Cyclops Island. And okay, first thing that I want to bring up, and you guys have probably noticed this with my discussions of Sea of Monsters in general thus far, I am really here for these chapters at the moment, just the Sea of Monsters chapters. It may just be me, but there are some really great moments in studies of the female characters in this book. We've had Clarice, we've got Annabeth, we've got bits and pieces to do with Talia as a character as well. Admittedly, we don't have too many other female characters except for fabulous Sally Jackson, but even then, not too much happens with her in this in this book itself. But Clarice and Annabeth have really had moments to shine, and admittedly, Clarice is more on my own perspective, um, but I think this book is, is showing her differently, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> but from... Uh, just kind of as a whole from what I do remember of the future books what we are getting is like these in-depth backstories and analyses and understanding of characters particularly female characters in Annabeth and Clarice doesn't happen at this level in future books at least from what I can currently remember but we will see when when I get to that but it's just it's just so fascinating and I'm really loving it so of course with character being the only focus today, I want to focus on just this chapter for Annabeth because Annabeth is basically the main focus in this chapter. And okay, 
I've brought this up a lot with Annabeth and you guys are probably never not going to hear this from me when we have Annabeth focused chapters but Annabeth does have such a traumatic backstory and this is just another story slash case providing that and it just shows that she just has so many horrible things that have happened in her in her very short lifetime at seven years old as we learn she was tricked and manipulated by a cyclops saw the people who had saved her in the form of talia luke and grover being prepared to be eaten being trapped and having to basically figure out how to save them all herself at seven years old and was then manipulated further by the cyclops who manages to mimic her own father's voice saying don't worry it'll be fine i still love you something she clearly desperately needed to hear from her father and then gives the implication to at least me that she'd never really heard that from her dad before which is even worse (laughs) and she was basically near helpless because again she's seven seven and yes she was able to save them by finding a way to kind of injure the cyclops briefly stunning them to free talia but even then like talia does the rest because again she's seven having to do all these things in this memory and look no it doesn't justify her actions to tyson of course it doesn't because it was a bit too far in some areas but again lots of people were prejudiced towards tyson because he is a monster but like i said it doesn't justify her actions but we can understand them and i think the whole thing here is in terms of justification she doesn't use this story to justify her treatment of tyson and but even the example i think this is the thing so she's not using it to justify her reasoning for tyson but we can understand where she was coming from and why certain things about tyson scared frustrated and kind of made her angry in a sense because the example we learn of the mimicking voices she mentions like what tyson did on the boat is what the cyclops who nearly killed all of them and was the reason why talia got killed in the end because if they hadn't gotten caught by the cyclops they would have gotten to camp half-blood in time hearing tyson doing and being able to do the same thing as the cyclops that still haunts her dreams it sounds like from when she was seven years old it's no wonder that the whole thing just kind of set her on edge and while she wasn't particularly nice to tyson she still was kind in areas like she wasn't the best and it could have been better but considering what we've now learnt happened in her past with a cyclops at a very young traumatic based age how she reacted again not justified in her treatment of him but you understand it and you can kind of see where she was coming from in that the whole untrustworthiness element and then of course it gets even well that happens after the first sad bit but the main bit here is really we have the sirens image and she just so desperately wants to be loved by her dad and her mum and even luke that she wants and needs to fix things fix things so much and i think the thing is it's just the image that percy sees of 
of what Annabeth is seeing of her dad and her mum together and Luke not evil and happy and still her friend and still someone she cares about she just wants to fix it all and redo it because the world is broken and she understands that because she's been a victim of this broken world from childhood basically and while there is the connotation of the whole fixing slash changing the world is a dangerous thing to think I get it the world is clearly broken in many ways so her wanting to fix it does make sense it doesn't make her trying to justify what Luke says even though there is the note of what Luke said to you about rebuilding the world in a perfect image got to her it's true because if anyone told you if you could redo the world there are lots of things that will come to your mind about how the world could be better considering the mentioning I put at the beginning of Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives Matter at the start that's something that needs to be fixed in the world the fact that we're having to continue to do these things to, to stop people from being treated as lesser so even in our own world context we can understand where Annabeth is coming from and it's also here that we learn about her fatal flaw and I, I, I don't know if this is the first time we hear it but it's uh, but I think it may be that fatal flaws is something that demigods have and hers is hubris or pride and I think what's interesting about that being her fatal flaw is because her flaw is that she wants to make things better it's that she's she's so believing that she can make the world better in so many ways in that she can't help but want to fix and perfect the world and make it a better place so this hubris makes so much sense for who she is because she I think this is the thing and I don't know if this is a stretch but I'm gonna say it anyway as we know like she is a child who grew up in a toxic and dysfunctional home environment was in life-threatening situations for a period of time and continued to do so as she trained learning about all these things about the danger she will be in as an adult the fact that she probably won't live to be an adult and all these sort of things so it knowing the traumas of the world itself experiencing traumas in the world itself is going to lead to her being desperate for this stability and the world to be a perfect better place and basically planning everything to the letter and getting frustrated and anxious when it doesn't go to plan because of her of just her world experience her pride is based in the fact that she believes that she can do things better that she can be better and it kind of comes with this whole like that not the prodigy child that's not what i'm thinking of that's something else but it ties in with this idea that she's been made to feel that she isn't good enough in so many occasions and if you want more on that be sure to as i often recommend to check out the video on my channel my youtube channel a healthy dose of fran um why does everyone hate annabeth or also known as the trauma of annabeth I think it's just it's an interesting thing that her her fatal flaw of hubris slash pride ties into her own worldview but also her view of herself and how in a way she seems to think she can make herself perfect and be better when 
this idea of perfection isn't a thing it doesn't exist it can't exist because no one can be inherently perfect um i'm going too deep into this a little bit but um just in general i think from this chapter and just from what we know of anna beth in percy jackson at least so far she is one of the most fascinating characters um i may change my mind later on when we go further into the analysis for future books but she is one of the most fascinating for sure um <laughs> i don't know I, that that's kind of where i'm at with that but to, to move on from <laughs> my annabeth deep dive of love and adoration for her as a character we will move on to chapter 14 we meet the sheep of doom and here is the overview for chapter 14 it's an evil paradise so like most family holiday experiences minus the cannibalistic sheep sometimes <laughs> someone survived the ss birmingham who could it be parkour parkour Oh, damn it, Clarice, I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Why'd you ask Grover like that? Oh, my God. Grover is uncovered and to be cooked with mangoes. While Clarice is being forced into a marriage. This, this is a kid's book, right? <laughs> the strength of Annabeth's intelligence, but also Percy's grip strength is A+, and nearly saves the day. Nobody returns with Annabeth as Percy helps freeing Clarice and Grover. But then, disaster, of course, strikes again. Okay, so, <laughs> from what you guys have probably heard in all of my previous episodes, we're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room. And that is Clarice. Yeah, she's dumb. She's really dumb as hell here. Not being able to just the fact that she's not able to put the two and two together that Grover uh, with Grover keeping up the story it means it's his disguise and she puts him and herself in imminent danger it's bullheadishness and just slightly dumb in nature of her as a character which is that in itself it just feels like a contradiction of her character I don't think she's a dumb person so it's frustrating to see these dumb moments because it just kind of undervalues her in my opinion um so it's frustrating and it's annoying but while i don't forgive it because it's such a dumb move on her part which is also frustrating after seeing her tactical mind at various points so far however i do want to say that from the previous discovery in the previous chapter of annabeth's fatal flaw i think we also learn and uncover clarice's fatal flaw here as well and i think it is also hubris but in only some form not the exact same as annabeth's and let me explain and maybe i'll do a video on this in future as well but start it here firstly so i think the thing is that most of clarice's actions throughout the series have so far at least being in reaction to an insult of her pride or her intelligence or anything like that so she reacts to this in like a violent and indignant and often as we've learned in this chapter dumb manner the accepting of the quest for example was because percy tried to take it over from her 
in a form claiming she wasn't the right person for this taking the difficult route through the sea of monsters because no one thought she could do this quest and survive confronting polyphemus is for the same reason in a sense heck grover in a way even insults her intelligence slightly in this not intentionally admitting admittedly but her pride has been hurt pretty much the entire time leading up to this confrontation and it's also then been hurt by the fact that she was then captured by polyphemus so she's she's lashing out and really while her hubris is based on that evidence more about her self-worth than Annabeth's form of pride which is more about boosting herself up and believing she can be perfect hers is also not only fatal to her as a demigod but in a sense also fatal to others due to her actions i think it's just really interesting and i'm not going to spoil future books as well but this this sort of discovery slash understanding that i've come to about clarice as a character and this possibility of this being her fatal flaw also makes sense about things that do happen in later books to do with Clarice as a character. But in in general, I think this may be me just doing a bit of a stretch because I really do enjoy Clarice as a character. And also just the fact that I'm just really frustrated that in the kindest way to Rick, he doesn't seem to be able to make up his mind as to what sort of character Clarice is meant to be. Is she meant to be tactical and caring about her soldiers? Or is she just meant to be a dumb, bullheaded Ares kid? You can't really have both. Well, you can, but at the same time, like, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Because it's just, it's so illogical that if he is seeing her being tactically minded and intelligent about her actions in some forms and then suddenly making huge faux pas it's just it frustrates me because like we see it with percy but percy can make stupid mistakes as well but it's never viewed as a stupid mistake i don't know i just it's frustrating to me and i don't know if it's just because like clarice is meant to be portrayed as just a a hulking idiot but then there are so many things that just contradict that as a whole and it's frustrating. <laughs> oh no, it, yeah, I think it's just the thing here. Um, in general though, with this, with all of these chapters really, strangely enough, I think this is something that when it comes to the live action that obviously we will be getting and hopefully getting each book will have its own season. When it comes to Sea of Monsters, these two chapters, I think, well, the start of chapter 14 admittedly isn't fully focused on Clarice, but I, I focus more on her character in this because she gets a bit more characterization than than the others. Um, but of course, we do have Annabeth's intelligence going on and Percy's following Annabeth's intelligence. But other than that, she's sort of the main character in, in this bit. We're focusing a lot more on her actions. But when it comes to the show itself, I think these two chapters in general will be a great area to and okay people were probably not going to agree with me with this but when the series comes out i think it will be great to have moments of focusing on characters who are not always completely 
not, not always Percy. So the whole thing of Annabeth's moment, having a bit more focus on Annabeth, like her struggling against the ropes with the sirens and when we actually see the vision, see her kind of the camera train on her or something like that. And then same with this, like I know we're with Percy looking over and seeing what Clarice is doing, but actually maybe start with Clarice or something like that. I don't know. I just, I think this is just something that would be interesting in the show to not fully just have Percy's perspective because I think it will help add to more of the other characters in the show itself, which I think is something that is important. Not just because Percy isn't a fully reliable narrator in certain areas, but I think it'll just, it'll just help to round out the side characters or those who are important in certain books but then aren't always around in every other book, like Clarice. Like, we get a chapter or two of her in The Lightning Thief, then we don't hear from her again, and then this, we're getting a lot more of her, and then slight spoilers, we don't really get anything of her again except for brief moments in Battle of the Labyrinth and a brief moment in The Last Olympian. And then we never hear from her again. And I think it's just frustrating because just just that, like I feel side characters like Clarice don't get enough attention as I think they, they should or it will be cool to have. So in terms of the series, and I know this is important to these chapters talking about the TV series, but I'm talking about it now, so that's happening. I think it'll be important to kind of get other perspectives in a TV show to help round out other characters, like getting Annabeth, like getting Grovers and such perspective, I think will be really smart to have. So like the dreams that Percy has to do with Grover, I know that doesn't happen in these chapters, but I'm just giving an example. Don't actually have Percy in the room necessarily. Just have Grover talking to Percy because he knows he's dreaming but don't have Percy be there in... I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about now. I say when I'm trying to be a writer for the show, but I'm not able to coherent it, co co coherently explain what I would like to see in my podcast for some reason. But, yeah, I think that's the thing. And these two chapters are really interesting, like I said, to do with characters and character perspectives and just understanding characters, particularly Clarice and Annabeth. And admittedly, these chapters aren't great for Clarice <laughs> and it, it doesn't get any better in the next chapters um, but you'll guys will have to wait for that for next week um, but overall I think it's interesting to see these different sides of characters particularly Annabeth and uh, I'm excited to learn more about more about her and I really do hope if considering I can't really remember I really do hope we get more elements of these of getting deep dive backstories and studies in chapters of other characters that aren't Percy. Um, but yeah, so that is chapter 13 and 14 of The Sea of Monsters, and I enjoyed it, yeah. I think uh, areas could be better, but it, just, I, I think that a lot about many things. <laughs> but I want to move on, firstly, to um, just give a quick shout out to uh, a fellow podcaster. So you guys have heard me talk about Consult the uh, Oracle or the Oracle uh, in the past. Um, so Robert, who is on that and also runs the Damn Meme page for all the Percy Jackson podcasts, has started his own podcast to do with read-alongs, starting with the Kane Chronicles. 
I feel so bad because I've forgotten his host, his co-host's name. But if you guys want to check it out and have a podcast that focuses on the Kane Chronicles first up, go check out Into the Rhyordan Verse because I love it. And it's I love that people are giving Kane Chronicles more attention. So Rob and co-host and I'm, I, I will learn your name I'm so sorry um <laughs> go check them out they are on pretty much every platform as far as I'm aware I'm gonna double check that now yes they are on the majority of platforms but yes go go check them out go listen in and be sure to read the King Chronicles books if you haven't already because they are phenomenal and don't worry we will get to them but obviously timeline order <laughs> but also I want to point out that I have just gotten some very cool audience responses from Apple podcast reviews that I would like to read out and of course if you guys haven't left a rating and a review be sure to do so on Apple Podcasts if you can and then follow the podcast on Spotify because it helps me get found um so first up is entitled the best damn camp was the friends we made along the way and I think that may be the best <laughs> subject heading for a review that I've ever seen. Uh, this person gave five stars. Stars. Uh, it's Robert Gamer. I hope it's okay I'm reading your name out. Uh, tuning in every week to hear Podcast Mum talk about this book series in such great in such depth is always a treat. Analytical, funny, and sometimes even emotional. Great podcast, 10 out of 10. I've just realised as I read that where it says podcast mum, I was like, this is actually Rob. This is <laughs> Rob of Consult the Oracle and Into the Royal Divorce. Hi, Rob. Love you, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I... Okay, I know it's a friend, but this review still counts. Okay, guys? Um, <laughs> but I will go into another one in case you guys don't think it counts and this is from bill wright's stuff entitled don't damn mind me also five stars which is brilliant just listening to this oh it's the title in that <laughs> don't damn mind me just listening to this damn podcast god i love it bill wright stuff thank you so much for that that was uh i feel so dumb that it took me a second to get it <laughs> oh gosh uh then it oh gosh blackjack is trans is is the best username I think I've seen because it's true also uh, the subject is it's Samuel so this is Samuel from oh my god I'm forgetting everyone's podcast names um <laughs> aha <laughs> half blood report oh my gosh sorry Sam and Diego I'm sorry about that <laughs> so from it's Samuel five stars very good stuff from a healthy judge friend Thank you, Samuel. I appreciate that. Sorry to all my podcast friends. I keep forgetting everyone's podcast names. This is terrible. <laughs> it's been... It's, I can't even say it's been a long day. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon for me. Um, I've been up early, I guess I could say, but even that's not a justification. But thank you to everyone who has left a rating and review. I really do appreciate it. Um, if you guys can, of course, go check out all the... Percy Jackson podcast because we are a big family and they they deserve all the love and support from all of you guys um <laughs> but yes thank you all for the reviews and ratings but to move on to the things that you guys are always waiting for and that is the question of the episode so for today's question if there was one character who you came to appreciate more in the sea of monsters either on the first read or a later reread who would it be and why 
I don't know if that question made any sense. I was reading it, I was like, I don't think that makes sense. But <laughs> I'm hoping it does because, well, I'll give an answer so maybe that'll clear up. A character that I came to appreciate more was definitely Clarice, if you guys can't already tell. Um, and I've only come to appreciate her since doing this podcast and since doing this chapter by chapter analysis of Sea of Monsters. So I've come to appreciate her uh, a lot more, definitely. So yes, uh, this question will of course be on all of our social media and I'm intrigued to hear you guys' thoughts. Um, to finish off, I want to thank you guys all for joining me today for chapters 13 and 14 of the Sea of Monsters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our Iodenverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and I will read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check out my Patreon at A Healthy Dose of Fran. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran, for more Percy Jackson content. And drop me a follow on Instagram at A Healthy Dose of Fran and at A Dose of Fran on Twitter. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. And I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Toodles! <laughs>